Welcome back to the Evidence-Based Rheumatology Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Putman, and today is Episode 3, Effects of Hydroxychloroquine on Symptomatic Improvement in Primary Sjogren Syndrome, the Jolger Randomized Clinical Trial. This was published by Gottenberg et al. in JAMA in 2014. So we typically think of Sika syndromes with Sjogren's. Those are the dry mouth, dry eye symptoms. But roughly a third of patients with primary Sjogren's syndrome experience systemic symptoms as well. There's actually reasonable evidence for rituximab, but that's kind of a big gun for a small arthritis. And the results from those trials were by no means clear cut. Plaquenil or hydroxychloroquine is often prescribed for fatigue, myalgias, and arthralgias in Sjogren's syndrome. Prior to the Joker study, there were some small observational studies and one crossover study on 19 patients that supported its use. Hardly a ringing endorsement, but enough that people had gotten pretty comfortable prescribing it for these symptoms. So, let's get into the trial. This was a double-blind, randomized controlled trial at a 1 to 1 ratio, pitting hydroxychloroquine at 400 mg per day versus placebo for 24 weeks. I should note that we don't really do a standard dose of 400 mg per day. These days we tend to give weight-based dosing, but for the purpose of this trial I think it's appropriate. And if you're a fan of Plaquenil, it would actually push us to overestimate the effect of the drug, as we're typically reducing the amount that we give our patients. After the first 24 weeks, there was an open-label phase from 24 to 48 weeks, where all patients got hydroxychloroquine. The study was conducted in 15 academic centers in France. Inclusion criteria were relatively straightforward. Patients had to meet the consensus group criteria for Sjogren's syndrome, had to be over 18 years of age, and were stable on other medications, steroids, cyclosporin, etc., for at least four weeks. The exclusion criteria were pretty reasonable as well. Previous use of hydroxychloroquine, previous rituximab, or anything that they labeled serious side effects. And for that, they mean pulmonary, renal, CNS, myositis, vasculitis, renal, or liver damage. So basically, this was a study of people who were had a relatively mild version of Sjogren's syndrome. The primary endpoint was a good one, 30% improvement in two of the three of the following symptoms, fatigue, pain, and dryness. Now, to be fair, this isn't a validated endpoint. Unlike rheumatoid arthritis, where we have things like the DAS-28 and a goal with our treatment, in Sjogren's syndrome, we're generally trying to put out fires and make people feel better. On the other hand, this was probably the right endpoint. The symptoms that we use Plaquenil or hydroxychloroquine for are fatigue, pain, and dryness. They also had a ton of secondary endpoints, various validated scales for Sjogren's syndrome, assessing how serious its impact was. But honestly, I like their primary endpoint the most, in part because it is what we use this medication for, but also because it's the thing that patients really care about. In that way, I think it was a reasonable thing to shoot for. With that for context, let's get into the results. In table one, I like to usually give a summary by imagining what the standard patient who was in this study was. For this study, the standard patient would have been a 55-year-old female patient, about half of whom would have an SSA antibody. More than 80% has a positive Schirmer test, and 40% have prior systemic involvement. About 20% were on other systemic treatment, and 30% had systemic involvement. There are no significant differences between the people in the placebo group and in the hydroxychloroquine group. 56 patients were randomized to hydroxychloroquine and 64 to placebo, though our friends in cardiology would likely laugh at those numbers. For a study in rheumatology, that's not too bad. After 24 weeks with this 120 patients, what did they find? Absolutely no difference. 
With respect to their primary endpoint, a 30% improvement in fatigue, joint symptoms, and dryness in the group that received hydroxychloroquine, 17.9% improved, and in the group that received placebo, 17.2% improved. That is not significant, and that's a 0.7 absolute uh, risk reduction. For those of you out there like me who like the number needed to treat, that's a number needed to treat of 142. That means that I would have to treat 142 patients with Sjogren's disease with hydroxychloroquine for 24 weeks to improve one patient in two or three of those symptoms by 30%. That is really not very impressive. Things get a little confusing next as they move on to their open label extension. Remember, at 24 weeks, everyone was offered Plaquenil. So at 48 weeks, in the placebo group, 18.8% of patients had improved and 30.4% in the Plaquenil group had met their primary endpoint. That is about a 10% difference. It's not statistically significant, though, so we shouldn't put any stock in it. That being said, we do know that hydroxychloroquine has a long half-life, and for people who support hydroxychloroquine and Sjogren's disease, they're going to point to that and say there's a trend towards significance. Perhaps 24 weeks just wasn't long enough to see the impact. Moving on, in Table 4, they kind of broke down the dryness, the pain, and the fatigue at 12 and 24 weeks. There was about a half-point improvement on a 10-point scale in favor of hydroxychloroquine. That is not very exciting, not clearly clinically meaningful, and ultimately, it was not, not significant. Goes on to show their secondary endpoints, none of which were met. There was no difference between hydroxychloroquine and placebo in a variety of metrics. There was a 7.8% decrease in the ESR in the hydroxychloroquine group. It went from 24.7 to 17.5, but I'm not really sure what that means. It's not a patient-centric outcome. It's not clearly clinically relevant either. No one would ever advocate a medicine purely to treat an ESR. We'd just be making ourselves feel better and picking up plenty of side effects in the process. They also did a number of pre-specified subgroup analyses, looking at immunoglobulin levels, looking at just arthritis, looking at patients who just had high blood levels of hydroxychloroquine. Unfortunately, none of those were significantly different. There was, however, no difference in adverse events. That's exciting, and I think this speaks to hydroxychloroquine generally being a benign medicine. That being said, the study was not powered to detect that. When you are trying to find a rare event, such as plaquenil retinal toxicity or plaquenil cardiomyopathy, you need to see a lot of patients over a long period of time, which just wasn't feasible here. I'd also like to point out that there are a number of issues beyond just the possible adverse events. There is a stigma to taking a medicine. It puts people into the sick role. There's a cost to taking a medicine. And then, like I said, there's all these rare potential side effects. People really do develop retinal toxicity. Although it's controversial, it does seem like some patients develop cardiomyopathy. Some patients do have their blood counts affected. So these are all things that you need to keep in mind when you're prescribing this medicine. I think one problem is that there just are not that many flares in Sjogren's disease. Only 12 out of 120 patients experience some increase in their symptoms, and we may be missing some important impact because of this. They also did not assess the sickest patients with the most serious manifestations, so it's not clear if hydroxychloroquine would maybe be beneficial in patients with organ-threatening disease. And then finally, their primary endpoint was for arthralgia. They didn't assess arthritis specifically, and there wasn't enough arthritis in the study to evaluate it. I think there's a fair argument that for a patient who has objective arthritis, this study does not necessarily tell us that we shouldn't be using it. So, 
What should we take from this paper? I don't think it seems that hydroxychloroquine improves Sjogren's overall, and it doesn't seem to improve the musculoskeletal findings either. Thankfully, this paper had an immediate impact on practice. In April of 2017, the ACR released guidelines for the management of Sjogren's disease. They used a modified Delphi system and got recommendations from experts in the field. They recommended that Plaquenil be avoided in cases of mild disease with fatigue, sick of symptoms, and musculoskeletal pain. Actually, that's not what happened at all. What really happened is they said, and I quote, a first-line treatment for inflammatory muscle pain in primary Sjogren's syndrome should be hydroxychloroquine. 94.4% of their experts agreed with this statement. It's pretty surprising given this paper. They do cite the Joker paper in their guidelines, so they're well aware of it. Instead, they point to some old retrospective data and one crossover trial, using this evidence to kind of disregard what's a reasonably good quality randomized controlled trial. As far as fatigue, they cite a 1996 retrospective uncontrolled study where a third of patients had improvement in fatigue. This is terrible data. This is not the kind of thing that we should be basing medical decisions upon. In our study, there just was no improvement in fatigue. They admitted that the quality of the overall body of evidence was rated as very low, and they changed their recommendation to maybe considered, kind of a soft hedge. So how can we explain this? I think there's a couple reasonable critiques. The first is that the Joker trial was very short. Perhaps they would have found effect if they had run for more than 24 weeks. The open-label extension certainly did suggest that. The second is that this trial did not evaluate objective inflammatory arthritis. It wasn't powered to do that, and they just didn't have enough inflammatory arthritis. So perhaps another study that evaluated people who had actual joint swelling or ultrasound evidence of inflammation would have found some effect. And then finally, there's just this movement to do something. It's hard to tell a patient that there's no good treatment for their condition, and Plaquenil is relatively benign, and so if you're going to use a placebo, this isn't a terrible one. But a few take-home points. In a high-quality but short and limited randomized controlled trial, hydroxychloroquine was not beneficial with respect to dryness, fatigue, or joint pains in primary Sjogren's syndrome. Lots of rheumatologists, and indeed the guidelines put out by the American College of Rheumatology, really ignored this evidence favoring instead some retrospective series and a crossover trial. I think it goes back to that impulse to just do something. For me personally, I try to avoid hydroxychloroquine in patients with Sjogren's disease, especially if they don't have objective evidence of inflammation. If they do, I will offer it as an option. I'll explain the risks and benefits, and I will tell them that I'm not terribly confident it'll help. I always wonder if that's the right thing to do. If you are prescribed in medicine in part for the placebo effect, Really selling it and believing in it is part of what you should be doing. I don't find that to be ethically permissible, though, so I tend to be pretty honest about this. Next week, we'll ratchet things up and talk about the Scott paper, a good new trial for a bad old disease. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be looking forward to talking to you then.